Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into a BGN Radio special Pro Day Circuit Edition. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As we ramp up towards the draft, it's important to pay attention to these Pro Days that have happened, especially if a player didn't test at the Combine or to see if they improve upon their numbers. With that in mind, today I had a phone call with Andrew DiCecco of Eagles Wire to talk about the four Pro Days that he attended. But before we get to that, we have some news to report. The Eagles are reportedly bringing in Memphis running back Darrell Henderson for an official visit. Woo-hoo-hoo! Deuce Daly worked him out at his pro day and must have liked what he saw with the news of this follow-up. Remember on the Kiss and Solak show 89, we covered the Eagles' top needs. We felt running back was one of those top needs. And on the next show, we'll be going over our positional rankings for those positions, which means we'll have a moment to talk about Henderson and the guys around him. But some quick facts on Henderson first. On my big board, he's my running back too overtaking Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, who drops due to his injury history. And I really think Henderson is the complement to Howard that you want in the draft and is a real option at picks 53 and 57 in the second round. The guy is a home run hitter. Per the Sports Info Solutions 2019 Rookie Handbook, out of the 24 running backs that they scouted for that, none had a higher yards per tote average than his ridiculous 8.9. None had more yards after contact on average than Henderson's whopping 6.0. Also, he led the group in yards per route run with 2.8, which is just ahead of Alabama running back Josh Jacobs, another official visit that we talked about a lot. And that yards per route run is an important stat that brings important context. He's never had more than 25 catches in his three years at Memphis, but last year, when his usage increased, he was still sharing time with Tony Pollard, who was playing running back, but also was a former wide receiver for the previous two years at Memphis. So those passing snaps got shared between them. So you may look at his stat line for Henderson and say it's not a strength, but I would argue the ability that he's shown as a receiver on tape, not only on the short stuff, but on vertical routes as well, and the efficiency that he's shown to have, show you that you can comfortably project him to heavier use in that role in the NFL, which again, is a great compliment to Howard, who struggles in that area other than pass pro. We'll be talking more about Henderson soon, but for now, let's kick it over to the chat with Andrew Jacecko of Eagles Wire to talk about these key pro days. Andrew, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing real well. First up, Andrew, plug yourself. Tell us about your background, where we can find you on social media, and where we can find all of your excellent work. Yeah, definitely. So, so I've taken somewhat of an unconventional path into journalism. Two years ago, a buddy of mine who's actually written a few books, he contributed to the small site called Sports Talk Philly. He was like, hey, man, you know, you know a lot about football. Do you ever consider giving writing a, a shot? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I never really considered it. And, you know, I sent the editor some samples and brought me on. Kind of just took off from there. 
I did an interview with Marcus Johnson, which was actually my first big interview. And it was actually turned out to be his first real interview. So me and him have kind of stayed in touch ever <laughs> since then. So he made the team and everything. So, so a lot came from that. And then, you know, last summer, I started writing for the Eagles where I responded to a tweet from Teron Davenport looking for a contributor, kind of just started writing for him. And, you know, I've always been of the belief that when you're given a platform, it's ultimately up to you what you make of it. I decided my approach would be to strengthen the norm, write about some of the lesser known Eagles, your Greg Wars, your Rashard Davis, your Trey Sullivan's, your Channing Sullivan's, you know, let fans know what a Dorian Miller and what a Joe Osman, what they do during the week. Just stayed, And I stayed diligent with that throughout the season. And it kind of just took off. And, you know, as of January, I've been on the draft grind, just like yourself. And I know you you focus a lot on some of the smaller school prospects, some of the lesser known prospects and, and some of the lesser known guys, you know, even within the Eagles, like you mentioned, Marcus Johnson and, and guys like Joe Osman, who every time Howie or Doug get a chance to talk about Osman, they always praise him for what he does on the practice squad there and the scout team and everything like that. Is there a specific reason that you focus on those guys so much? Because they're, they're a very undercovered and undervalued part of this whole process. Yeah, and the reason why I like to do that is because I've always been fascinated with everybody talks about, you know what Nick Foles does, you know what Carson Wentz does. You hear those stories throughout the week, and, you know, they're kind of covered at nauseum. So I always find it interesting, you know, what is the practice squad? What's their routine like? What's Trey Sullivan's path to the roster? You know, what's his background? Kind of what are some of the challenges that he had to, that he had to overcome to get to where he is? And, you know, I've always been an advocate of the underdog because I kind of consider myself the underdog as well. Kind of somebody that just keeps their head down, works hard, and, you know, just keeps chipping away and, and you know, has that one goal in mind. So I kind of like to bring their stories to the forefront for fans. Yeah, and I think it's awesome the way that you build relationships with these players as you do that. And you've been a really busy man lately in that same vein. You've recently attended a good deal of pro days. Is this your first year covering pro days in, in person in that fashion? Yes, sir. It's my first year. How, how do you how do you like that experience? Was it everything you expected it to be or was it totally different? It, it was an unbelievable experience. You know, I, I was I had the opportunity to be down there in St. Petersburg for the East West Shrine game, which was my first credentialed. Uh, that was my first opportunity to be a credentialed member of the media. So that was that was an awesome opportunity there. And then, you know, I kind of reached out to some schools and, you know, they put me on their list for pro days. And I, I had the opportunity to be, you know, have Mike Kay and Matt Lombardo and Emery Hunt take me under their wing throughout the first three and then when I went to Virginia I drove from Maryland to Virginia solo and I did that one but you know it was an unbelievable experience I've been going to the East West Shrine game the senior bowl for a couple of years now and it's an awesome experience but let's let's dig in man I want to talk about some prospects because you, you bring up Virginia and there's a guy on that roster that the Eagles have brought in on an official visit that I'm a fan of that I would love to see the Eagles pick up in the second round if possible. But Juan Thornhill, I think, is the main guy that you were there to see. How was his pro day? Juan Thornhill was phenomenal. He, he stood on his, you know, his combine numbers were outstanding, so he decided to stand on those. But he did do the on-field drills, and he was put through the drills by a defensive assistant from the Tennessee Titans. And he, he looked really good, man. Like he has the, the he's in the mold of a Malcolm Jenkins. And he's just a very, very intelligent yeah. player. And, you know, he's a playmaker. You talk about a guy who had thirteen career career interceptions uh, for Virginia. So And and you told me beforehand that you had a special story about him that you haven't put out there that you were kind of saving for this, which I really appreciate here on VGN Radio. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it as well. What happened with, with Juan Thornhill that you want to tell us about? Yeah, definitely. So when I was talking to Juan, I had an opportunity to talk to him one on one after Pluto. And he's running he's running off these names of all these, you know, different top thirty visits that he has. And I'm like 
uh, no Philly. And he's like, I was already at Philly a couple, maybe two weeks ago. And then he, he, uh-huh. he went, he took it further and he said, he's like, I've never been to Philly. I enjoyed seeing the stadium and the practice and the practice facility and all that. And then he goes, Tim Houck, the safeties coach actually came down here to give me a workout, a private workout. And, you know, he said, I, I really like him a lot and I would love to play under him were his, were his exact words. So I always found, I found that a little bit interesting because, you know, you hear about all these different visits and this one kind of flew a little bit under the radar. So did he, did he have an official visit and that's where he was worked out or is that a separate deal where they worked him out privately beyond the official visit that he had? Yeah. So I guess Tim Houck actually came to Virginia before he went to, he went up there, there for, the, for the top 30. So, so he got, he got looked at twice kind of like yeah. how Chauncey got put through a private workout. Now uh, you saw that come out yesterday. So, you know, while, mm. while that one was public, I find it kind of, you know, interesting that, that Juan's wasn't. Yeah, they doubled down on Juan, which is interesting. And I really like Juan as a prospect. What, what else do you like about his game? Because I know you study these prospects for the NFL draft, just like, you know, me and Benjamin Solak do. And we've talked a lot about him. What do you like about his game? Because you mentioned the playmaking skills. He's definitely got the production to show that he can be a playmaker as a single high safety in this defense. And it's a good fit for him as well. What else about his game do you like about him? Well, I was really impressed with his football IQ and, you know, kind of like his knowledge for the game because, you know, I asked him, I said, can you think of a time where you were faced with adversity and how did you handle it? And he immediately rattled off a game two years ago against Lamar Jackson and a play that he, that he said he, he would like to have back. And he, and he was walking me through the play and, and what he would have done differently. And, you know, just to kind of think of, think of that on the spot, kind of get inside his head a little bit and see where he's at from a, from an intellectual level. And, you know, he seems like he's, and you're talking about a guy who, who tested the 99.5 percentile for, for NFL safety. <laughs> that, that's pretty impressive right there. Yeah, he tested through the roof. Now, what about the wide receiver? There's a guy Benjamin Solak has hyped a couple of times from Virginia here on the Kiston Solak show, the diminutive uh, Alamede Zacchaeus. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Alamede Zacchaeus. Did you get to chat with him at all? How did he look? I did. He, he looked he looked really good. I only got to see him for a little bit because the media relations guy pulled me over to the side because he wanted me to get that, that Thornhill interview before like the scouts started talking to him. But, you know, he, he looked very sharp. You know, he's a, he's, he's very quick. His short area quickness is there. And, and his hands are good. He's, he could tell he's a little bit of a raw player, but there's, there's like a, so much potential with him that if he, if he gets in the right system, if he gets into the right camp, he can really, he can make a team. All right, so let's get to the second school here that you went to. Temple was another place that you went to. Temple Tough, home of running back Reichwell Armstead, defensive lineman Michael Dogby, and ascending cornerback Rocky Sin who owns the title for the best name in the draft by far. Yeah. Uh, did any of those from that trio come away super impressive? Is there anybody I'm missing from the group? Uh, Michael Dogby was phenomenal. He, he was somebody that was snubbed from the NFL combine. He looked great at the East-West game. You know, he looked like the best player on the field in the morning on, on the defensive line. He was moving these SEC linemen like your, like your Stallings and, and your Lamont Gaylord from, from Georgia. He was, just, he was just getting through with relative ease every day and you know he's quick off the ball violent hands and he he needed that pro day because he didn't have that opportunity to be at the combine he tested very well mike exploded last year because going into last season he had only had one and a half sacks and seven tackles for loss and he ended up with seven sacks and 12 and a half tackles for loss last season so that was that was huge for him how did he test how, what, were, what were what were his numbers like can you remember any of them off the top of your head i'm trying to look him up right now but i don't see him on uh i don't see him on the old twitter sphere well i know he benched uh, he got 34 reps Jeez. he weighed in at 284 so that was a little light 34 but- reps is f- 
He's a dog, man. Is, <laughs> he, mean, is, he, can, is he known as like a like a gym rat? Yeah, he's he's huge, man. Like and and he can bench press five hundred pounds. Like he's done that at Temple. So and he, and he <laughs> he he's just a monster, and the, he's just pure muscle. Like there's there's not an ounce of fat to him, and he's he's going to be a problem on the defensive line for for some team. They're going to get a good player, and I believe he ran like a five oh two. In the 40, I want to say. Hopefully he's not having to run 40 yards. Otherwise, other things have gone wrong with the defense. What about Rocky Sin? Because I mentioned him earlier as an ascending prospect. He's a guy that not many people saw as a potential day two selection or even like I've seen him mocked into the first round along with 50 other guys. But regardless, his stock is really, really going up lately. I saw him at the senior bowl down there in Mobile. He was he was all right there, known as a physical guy, but he's still a little bit smaller. What did you see from Yasin? Why do you think he might be just flying up these people's boards recently? Yasin interviewed very well. He's another guy that's, mm. that's very intelligent. And you hear the, you hear the answers that he was giving to reporters. And he's just, he's very assertive. You could tell he processes things quickly. His, his mirror technique's phenomenal when, he, when you, you saw him go through the on-field drills. And he, I think he's a guy that you're going to see, Mike, slip into the, the back of the first round. I could see him going to the Oakland Raiders. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, give me smart defensive backs. Yeah, all day, man. Tim Harris from Virginia was another one that really shocked me. And he, he had a 39-inch vertical, ran a four, uh, low 4-4, four, four, was at Virginia for six years because, you know, he unfortunately he suffered too. His, his career was kind of derailed by injuries, but he's another corner that tested very well. And I think he's going to be, he'll be a nice value pick down there in the, in the later rounds. That's right. You saw him too at the Virginia Pro Day as well. And I remember going to the Shrine Game practices and was absolutely locked down for a good portion of the uh, the practices that I saw. Did you see the same thing from him at the Shrine Game? Because I thought he had a really good week. He had a couple of plays that he would like to have back against Ryan Davis, who got the better of him a couple of times. But more often than not, Tim Harris, uh, looked, he looked phenomenal. Like he, he he's very fast. You can see the athleticism. If, we, if it wasn't for the injuries, if he wasn't coming into the league, I guess he's 24 years old. I think that he would be a much higher pick, you know, when he, he was very highly touted when he went to Virginia. So, you know, you think of a secondary that had him and Juan Thornhill and it, it's pretty formidable. Dialing back to Temple for a second before we go to break here, I want to mention Reichwell Armstead. Is he a guy that you're looking for in, in the day three area for the Eagles to add as a complimentary back to Jordan Howard? Or is there someone else outside of all the pro day visits you've done and everything like that that you might like for the uh, for the Eagles in day three? I like Armstead a lot. He looked great through uh, Deuce Staley put him through his workout. He actually caught the ball a lot better than I thought that he would, and and he looked more elusive than I thought that he would. He looked pretty nimble, and he had a solid burst as well. So uh, he's a guy that I would like to see, you know, the Eagles consider in those later rounds. You know, obviously you, you and I have kind of went back and forth on Twitter chatting about Ozigbo, and he's another yeah. guy that I really like. Very quick feet, good contact balance, he's athletic. He has he's a bigger back, but he has the tendencies of a smaller back. If that makes sense. Yeah, he can catch the ball. You know, he can get skinny through the hole if if need be. And 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 he's a guy that I was really impressed with when I when I spoke with him. He's very well spoken, loves the game, and he's just very he's just a knowledgeable player. He know he knows a lot about the game, and he knows what his responsibilities are. And he, he's a player that that if if whoever gets him is getting not only a good player but a good person as well. Yeah, Divine Zigbo from Nebraska, one of the most successful zone running running backs in college last year would be a great fit for the Eagles in day three. Me and you both are really high on him. He's in my top 10 for running back. So maybe that's a guy that the Eagles will target. We'll see if the Jordan Howard acquisition changes any of that. After the break here on this BGN radio special about the pro day circuit, we're going to be talking about one of my guys from Delaware, the safety 
Nasir Adderley, and we'll also take a trip to Maryland right here on Bleeding Green Nation. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on Bleeding Green Nation with Andrew DiCecco from Eagles Wire. We are talking about the Pro Day circuit. Let's not stand on ceremony anymore. Let's talk about my man, a guy that I have a first-round grade on, my safety one. You went to the Delaware Pro Day. You saw Nasir Adderley. He went to run his 40, which we were all very much so awaiting, and he pulled up lame with a hammy, if I'm not mistaken. What happened with Adderley's Pro Day? Does it change the way you view him at all, and did you get to chat with him? It was, it was one of those things where you, you could feel the energy in the air. You know, I'm going to check in and get my credentials. And I look to my left and you see, you see Eagle safety coach, Tim Houck there, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this is going to be a big story. If you know, how puts him through his, his uh, on-field drills. And unfortunately yeah. we never got to see the on- on-field drills because Nasir pulled up about halfway through his 40. You're talking about a, a guy who he got hurt in his 40, he a hamstring and, and he was nicked off at the NFL combine as well. So there might be a little bit of durability concerns, but I think he's a guy where if you're a coach or you're a scout that's already really high on him, that really didn't change your perception. But if you're somebody that wanted to see, you know, how he would test and you had, you still had some questions or reservations, then you, that might kind of sway you one way or the other, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And I don't have that that much of a concern as far as his range goes. However, I did want to see it because I did have a bet with Benjamin Solak that he would hit 439 on the dot. I mean, you see the <laughs> range, but unfortunately, he didn't get to do it. But I'm not concerned. I'm one of those people that is a believer in Adderley's game. And like you said, you know, being banged up in the combine and then pulling up lame at the pro day. I mean, that doesn't do you a lot of favors. You want to make sure the medicals are all good and you want to check the history and all that stuff that they did at the combine with the medical checks where they, they prod and probe them and all that. But overall Adderley's game and just the person himself, what do you like about him? You know, I like his competitiveness. You could tell that it, it, he, he was warming up the whole time after that first 40s warming up and you could tell he was, he was angry at the fact that he wasn't able to go, but he got advice to, you know, shut it down for the day he did a very quick uh, media obligation and then, and then he was gone. So I unfortunately didn't get a chance to speak to him. I do like, I like that he's competitive. He, how he flies around probably one of the most versatile defensive backs in the, in the draft. I, I think, I, I think that he, he's one of the rare guys that has the potential to be an all pro corner as well. I mean, he's, he's just an all around great player. He has got cornerback history in his past as well. He can play single high safety. He can come down and, and be a force coming downhill. So I really like his game. Was there anybody else from, uh, from Delaware? Or- uh, Joe Walker, actually from Delaware. He was, uh, he spent the first three years at Delaware as a quarterback, but he transitioned to wide receiver for his senior season. And he actually led the Bulls in, in, uh, in yardage. He had 670 mm. and, uh, and four touchdowns. He, he looked really good. He's about 6'3", I want to say 2'10". The way he was running routes, you would have thought that he had been a wide receiver his entire career. You know, it kind of was reminded me of Joe Webb, a little bit more athletic than Joe Webb, a little bit more polished. So I'm definitely going to check him out. All right, let's go to Maryland. Let's talk about one of the guys that I absolutely – I love this safety class. There's so many guys I have, like, 
eight players that you could take at the end of round two, and I, I wouldn't mind it at all. But one guy that I'm really high on as far as his ceiling especially goes and the versatility that I think he has, if you can develop him as a single high safety from the methyl processing uh, aspect, Darnell Savage Jr. from Maryland, also an official visit for the Eagles. Love that they brought him in. Tell me about Savage, man. So I would say out of all three safeties that I had the opportunity to see, I thought that Savage looked the best in in transition, in and out of breaks. He looked the most fluid. His, he had loose hips. So he, he was somebody that, that looked tremendous during his on-field drills. Uh, Denard Wilson, the defensive backs coach for the Jets, put him through it, and the Bengals assistant coach as well. Eye discipline, you know, he's good at tracking the ball. You watch the tape, man. He, he just, like, he almost teleports into the backfield and makes these plays. He sets a tone like you put him on that field for your defense and all of a sudden all of you are eating glass like i love that about him is he is he like really intense in person because i would expect that from him or like he might be like the opposite type guy that's like super quiet but when the lights hit you know he's he just has a switch that he hits i would say you can see a little bit of the intensity you know he was actually very brief he didn't do any of the one-on-one interviews so i didn't have a chance to talk to him but i was there for that that little media media huddle that, that when he spoke to us and he was very brief with what he said. He didn't he didn't really say a whole lot. You could tell he was locked in, and that's the kind of player that you, that you want. You know, when the lights come on, like you said, he's, he, it's it's game time. It's game on. Is there anybody else from Maryland that you saw there that might entice the Eagles? I know there was somebody was telling me about an offensive tackle that the Eagles might be interested in, uh, but I haven't been able to check him out yet. Was there anybody else on Maryland that that piqued your interest? Yeah, there was actually a few. You know, you and I talked about. I believe it was Derwin Gray. Right. He, he was the, one of the offensive tackles. And the other guy, Damian Prince, the right tackle, he looked mm. good as well. And Ty Johnson, he, Ty Johnson might be, is probably the fastest back in the draft. He, he was clocked oh. at different scouts, had him at a 426, someone had a 429, someone had a 432. And he was moving. He, he was moving, man. And opportunity to see him at the East West Shrine game. That, that guy's got some wheels. And he actually pulled up with a hamstring. You know, after this first run, so he didn't do anything else. But he, you know, I talked to Tom. He said, you know, there was a scout there that said, listen, after what you just ran, you don't need to do anything else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I would say, uh, my guy Trey Watson, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at Illinois for three years, and he transferred to Maryland for his senior year. And he's a tank man. Like I really enjoy watching Trey play. One thing that he told me after after uh, after pro day that really stuck out to me was, "Listen, man, I'm not an uber athlete. I get I don't get by on athleticism. I get by on my football IQ. Get me in a meeting room. Had put me on the board. Put me in front of coaches because that's where I could really make up ground." I like that a lot. Okay, let, I'm going to do one last thing with you here. I'm going to make you pick between all of our sons before we get out of here. I want you yeah. to because we've talked a lot about these uh, these safeties and and great great stuff with some of the other players, but let's focus in on these guys that the two of them the Eagles have brought in Adderley they have not. But I want you to rank Juan Thornhill from Virginia, Nasir Adderley from Delaware, and Darnell Savage Jr. from Maryland on your board. How do you rank them? Okay, so I'm going to go three Adderley. Nasir Adderley is three. Okay. Darnell Savage at two. And my guy, Juan Thornhill, as my top safety. I was really impressed with Juan. If you were to put a a round grade on Thornhill, like an early, mid to late, what would you put on him? I would put him at right around, you know, anywhere from like 45 to 55. Okay. Top of the second, I would say. Well within reach if the Eagles want him, I think we'll be there. 
I, I think a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, teams are going to be enamored with his versatility, and I think he might be the first safety off the board. But then I think you might see uh, Juan being that second safety off the board. Yeah, I'm super high on Chauncey, and we've been talking about him on the Kiss and Solak show. He ended up with a first-round grade for me, the only other safety other than Nasir Adderley that got a first-round grade super close on my board, those two. And if look, if the Eagles, who brought in Chauncey for an official visit, decided to take him, I would not complain whatsoever. Like you said, I love his versatility. You go back to the 2017 tape, there's free safety film. You go to the 2018 film, you know, there's a lot of nickel tape. He improved his tackling. The major improvement across the board for him as a player. So he would be an exciting player for the Eagles to bring in to shore up the future of that position. But Andrew, man, that is all the time that we have for today. Remind the gentle listeners one more time where they can find you on social media, where they can find your work. Absolutely. So you can check out my work on the Eagles wire. I have some cool projects that I'm working on some path of the draft uh, articles where I chronicle, you know, four or five players throughout their, their draft journey leading up to their big weekend. And you can find me on Twitter. That's a DiCecco NFL, a D I C E C C O NFL. Definitely recommend you following Andrew. He is a grinder. He's putting out good stuff. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.